Welcome to All Axes, a podcast featuring original content on a wide range of subjects focusing on today's North American manufacturers. My name is Thielen Henderson, and I will be your host. Today we're at Discover 2019 on Mazak's campus. Discover is the largest private manufacturing event in the industry and is featuring the latest developments in machine tool technology, CNC controls, software, automation, customer support, a first-hand look at our Mazak iSmart factory, and daily keynote speakers. Joining us, having just presented at Discover on the Connected Factory, is Bryce Barnes, Global Lead IoT Edge Solutions for Cisco. Bryce is responsible for Cisco's manufacturing solution development strategy. He uses his background in manufacturing, engineering, software, security, and network systems architecture to lead Cisco's Internet of Things digital machine strategy. Bryce's early work as an applications engineer in manufacturing set the tone for helping create solutions where the outcome matters. Bryce, well, first off, thank you for joining us today. And uh, a question that I've been uh, had around in my head, what is it that you love about manufacturing? Manufacturing for me is really about, this is going to sound very esoteric and abstract, <laughs> Good. the journey that humankind has been on. I think when I walk into a manufacturing plant, I'm looking at a machine or a lathe or uh, a casting operation. I'm thinking this is 10,000 years of continuous innovation and look where we're at. Look at this car walk- coming off a line. Look at this jet engine being manufactured. And I think back, it's crazy. I think back 10,000 years ago and when People first started to just fabricate something, mm-hmm. a spear, whatever it might have been, and look where we are. And that, to me, is so incredible. I can't escape that reality every time I see something. So, like, every day, every innovation brings us to a higher pinnacle than we were the day before. It's, it's yeah, it's the contributions of people across 10,000 years. And that's what you see when you walk into a manufacturing plant. That's interesting. Cool. It's it's. For me, it's overwhelming sometimes when yeah. I look at it. Well, all right. Something I've heard you mention, speaking of mankind and evolution, is I've heard you refer to communication as a utility. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, so if you trace manufacturing over the past 100 years, mm-hmm. uh, there's been a couple of major milestones that um, really transform things. You know, cheap, available energy, mm-hmm. and then... This ongoing, never-ending uh, applied automation and robotics, right? Mm-hmm. So through all of that, there have been constant things like, well, you have power. That's what we call utility. You don't build a plant without power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have compressed air. You, you know, there, there are many things like that that are essential to manufacturing that no one even bats an eye from planning, building a new plant, and designing a process. Right. Um, as... The whole world has gotten connected over the past 25 years. Um, Communication, connectivity, even the internet itself is almost being considered a human right. It's access to information and your success is determined by your access to information and knowledge. I would argue that, um, that this is the same issue in manufacturing, that it's access to information, connectivity, and what you do with that information that is going to determine success in the future. So, um, Communications, connectivity, it, it should absolutely be utility. It should be one of the fundamental things you do when thinking about your manufacturing environment and your business. 
information can sometimes be um, valued on the large scale, but not always necessarily on the small scale. So, so take a small job shop, for example, with, say, 10 to 12 machines. Uh, what would be their first logical steps to creating a culture or, or, or to accessing that data information uh, and, and then utilizing it? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it is. The, that's a that's a really good question. I think the first change has to be one of culture. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, the, the plant manager, the head of engineering, head of maintenance. Uh, I think the expectation has to be that sharing of information when things go good or bad mm -hmm. should be rewarded. Um, this idea that um, you know I had to I had a lot of rework on a part shouldn't be about punishment. It should be, how are we going to collectively solve that problem? When, when that's the expectation, this idea of connecting up things and gathering information off the machine in the process, uh, and then informing everyone about the efficiency of the process, quality of the output becomes something that is celebrated and, um, more of a team effort and how do we improve? So I think it is a culture change. So, so first on a human level and then, then on a machine monitoring level, you'd see that as kind of the next logical yeah. step. Yeah. It's like you have to invert the way a lot of people are thinking about it. I think if I'm operations and this machine is being connected up uh, and monitored, mm -hmm. uh, is it big brother looking at me? Am I going to be punished <laughs> because things don't go well? Uh, I, I, I think that it really has to be about this is a tool that will magnify my knowledge and capabilities. Right. And, and it, in fact, I can be more successful with this tool, right? No one questions power and compressed air, mm -hmm. right? They're just there. <laughs> so I, I think it is a cultural shift. Um, and, and that's not easy. So once, once you feel like you've established a culture of openness and communication, then, then process monitoring would be your, your next step, evaluating machine on what it's actually doing, not just what it's being instructed to do. Yeah, that's, that's the first step is to develop an actual picture of what is going on in your operations, both historically mm -hmm. and at any point in time. And mostly where that, that emerges as a first um, value is in a daily roll-up. Right. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone in operations, in manufacturing, no matter what type of manufacturing, uh, at the end of a shift, there is some type of daily roll-up that accounts for my productivity, my scrap, mm -hmm. uh, or, or any anomalies, any, uh, any issues with maintenance and, and equipment. Uh, and that roll-up historically has been very manual and paper-driven, to be yeah. honest. So um, when, when you've digitized the system and you're you're just replacing the paper. Your first step is just replacing the paper. And now everyone has access to the data at any point. Mm -hmm. And the roll-up can be a, a virtual digital experience rather than a paper submission. Excellent. So, so once you understand your, your process, then it becomes a, then you can begin to refine it and, and then it becomes a question of scheduling. Is that? Yeah, there, yeah, this is, um, the question is, if you have all this technology, you make this investment, you connect everything up in a facility. What can you uh, do with it? What do you do with it? Right. right. That's uh, wh why do that? Is, is the, is the goal to connect things up and, you know, most operations, you know, management and engineering would say that's not really the point. Right. The, the point is to, uh, to make my operations something that are flexible that I can continuously optimize. So one of the first places you start is just scheduling. Every place has a master schedule, whether right. 
you're you're writing it down on a piece of paper, it's in a spreadsheet or it's in an application uh, like uh, Ortums from Dassault or Quintic from Dassault or there's many, many others. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I take the information I'm collecting off all these assets, these machines and sensors and feed that into scheduling to, in, to inform me on how to schedule better or to help me react better when I have a disruption. If my schedule is rigid and fixed and I have an outage or I have a problem in process, I, my, my schedule should be dynamic. It should be responsive to the environment. So right. I think that's a, a good beginning point for how you optimize and how you leverage digital infrastructure. From a technology standpoint, if you had a shop and you were going to get started today, what's the first thing you would look to do? Everything uh, being net new. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly right. That just sounds fun. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't that sound pretty good? Well, let's. uh, We we got a list now and we can go shopping. Uh, You know, I I, I think that um, I would. I would go to my technology vendors mm-hmm. and partners, and the first thing I would establish is I would select an OEM, a partner based on strategy, not on cost of acquisition, not on right. the price of a good. Okay. That's number one. Number two, I would evaluate them against openness and open standards. Okay. So are they are they like Mazak, which committed itself to the MT Connect standard over a decade ago and has been uh, a driving force in the creation of that data dictionary. And, and can, can you tell me about the merits of, of uh, dealing with the vendor that's focused on a standard? Yeah, it, it protects all parties, actually. Okay. Um, so it, it, it makes your um, the technology that you sell accessible, um, and it, it makes it possible for it to be part of a larger system when it's mm-hmm. open, when it connects in an open fashion. So your ability to grow and scale from that point becomes much easier if yeah. you commit to an open standard. Absolutely. And that has economic value to the customer who now knows that when they buy this technology, this machine, this asset, um, that they have the they have the flexibility to integrate it into their environment in a known way. And they're not being forced into a proprietary standard, which, you know, at the end of the day, m- people buy Mazak not because it makes a proprietary interface. People buy Mazak because it's a great machine. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's where the value is. It, mm-hmm. It's not in closing the system up and saying it can only be Mazak. It's, it's Mazak's willing to um, sell its technology on the basis of value. And, and you can see that confidence in the fact that they have open standards integration. Okay, if if you were just going to monitor a machine from a technological standpoint, is there an ROI on that, or what kind of a increase could you expect to see? Yeah, there there's an immediate ROI um, that impacts scheduling, that impacts uh, you know responsiveness to problems, and and it boils down to uh, and and there's a range of of numbers we could throw. It's somewhere between five and fifteen percent. Uh, gain in productivity. Just by being aware of what your machine is actually doing. Just by being aware of its operational state at mm-hmm. any moment, the history of its utilization across a day, a week, a shift, uh, and that compared to other machines in the operation, you you start to see problems and gaps in productivity and efficiency immediately when you monitor that were not obvious before. And moreover, it gives you the potential for looking at 
um, at the machine more intimately. Like, well, when I ran this part, what was the cycle time for this part? Is, is that consistent with my earned standard hour that I bid on mm -hmm. or is that way off? So, so two things become apparent, right? Your, your machine utilization, am I getting, is it productive? This is a productive asset for me. Yes, mm -hmm. no. Uh, you can determine that immediately. And is how it's being used productive? Right. That's a separate question. Mm -hmm. like, am I meeting the conditions of my bid when <laughs> I make this part? Because if you ask job shop owners, uh, and, and I'll, I, won't, I won't name the, the company or the no, person. Please don't. <laughs> but, but, but this is an extraordinary moment. They had, they had just won uh, a bid, a contract from a defense, a tier one defense contractor to, to make a very specialized part. And the first concern was, I am worried that this may put me out of business. And the reason the owner of this job shop said that was because they had to bid competitively and it was a very complex part mm -hmm. and they hoped they bid right. They mm. hoped that, that the amount of time that they estimated to make this part was accurate. And that's, that's extraordinary. And, and yeah. I have a feeling that the person who did the bid really understood how to make these parts. But at the end of the day, if they had the power of collecting all this information over time, they could make it a data-driven decision rather than just one on make, experience. Making a much more educated guess and, and limiting your risk in that fashion. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I, I there are numerous examples, particularly in aerospace and defense, where companies go out of business because they misbid. Mm. If a company wants to get started with this, you would advise them speaking to their their current representatives of technology, the, the the current people that they trust, or is there some kind of resource they could go to, or what would be step one if you wanted to get involved in? Uh, yeah, it, it, step one is engineering, maintenance, general manager, and operations sitting down and deciding what problems they want to solve. Right. What 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 is impacting our business? Where? Do we have the greatest losses, mm -hmm. the, the most outages? Where are we least productive? And collectively, let's decide and prioritize those problems. So you your first step is to identify the value you want to go after. Mm -hmm. That should be the starting point. There should be no discussion of technology at that point. Right. Uh, the next step is... Just setting goals and... and just basically deciding where you would like to be. Yeah. What is the transformation you want to drive? Um, and and then I would rank uh, the potential value propositions by uh, difficulty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Some things are high value and very difficult. Some things are lower or medium value, but fairly easy to do. So, so you're going to start with the easier things. But here's the catch. If you do it as a one-off, if you go and acquire technology and solve one little problem and the technology only solves that problem, then you've locked into one technology and you're <laughs> not thinking about the many other problems you can solve. So, so after you've ranked everything by priority and value, mm -hmm. by difficulty and value, the next step is how do I make a first decision on technology to solve the problem, knowing full well that I want to reuse that technology to go after the next problem and the next problem after that. That's where the utility of communications and software being open matters so, so much. So much, much more so for, for scaling than for single. Uh... For, for reuse, for scale, mm -hmm. you don't want to recreate the wheel every time you solve a new problem. Right. 
that also has been the history of manufacturing is the criticality of solving issues has been so great that we'll throw resources at this problem, solve it, and it's an engineering effort. And when we're done, it works, but can you reuse it? Yeah. And that's always been the challenge. So now in the digital digital age, we have to think about, and the analogy is uh, the internet itself, mm-hmm. right? We designed a communication system worldwide that didn't pick winners and losers. It works for everyone. Google, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, everyone interoperates in that environment with wildly different outcomes, but the technology we use is extraordinary. Right. And, and, and because it's so useful, it's so open, it's such a utility, and enables, it enables whole new business models. And I, and I think that's what's going to happen. I'm absolutely certain that's what's going to happen in manufacturing. When we achieve that level of openness, whole new business models and partnerships emerge. And I think of Mazak as a great example where when Mazak's customers think of the relationship as more than just buying a machine, but rather a strategic partnership and... Mazak. Instead of buying a machine, coming to us and saying, how would we make this part? Yeah, exactly. How do we make this part? And moreover, how can we make this part in a very successful way, in a cost-effective way, in a profitable way? And when Mazak is at the table, they're at the table because they're participating in the production. That's what emerges. That's a new business model. My father would say, no one buys a drill. They buy, they buy the ability to make holes. That's, that's a great analogy. That's perfect. The base level of, of machine monitoring is uh, basic logic. So monitoring number of cycles or number of RPMs or, or things like that. Uh, and then after that, it's basically taking multiple uh, base logic monitors or uh, evaluators and um, coming to conclusions based on a, a number of principles. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's very accurate. So if we kind of look back at, at the MT Connect standard itself, um, it identifies the machine as a collection of subsystems and those subsystems um, can be part of the information model. So that means that essentially I can look at information from a spindle. I can look at information from a ball screw, screw ball screw. I can, mm-hmm. I can identify the tool ID associate it with a process for a given part. All of that is part of the information model. And when I decide that I want to extract information off this machine, I can organize it in different ways to look at the state of the machine. Um, you know, you could ask simple questions like, well, in a given uh, three shift uh, day, mm-hmm. um, what percentage of the time was the machine actually cutting metal versus green light versus just being on? Very different questions. And as, as hard as it is to imagine, green light time does not necessarily correlate directly with cutting metal. And that is the business metric that matters. How much metal am I cutting? Not just not just spindle uptime, but actual time in the cut is... Actual time in the cut. And that's not trivial to figure that out. I believe it. Do you find that in some shops, um, they're, they're so focused on being result-driven that there's almost a, a, a taboo about honesty when it, when it comes to uh, what happened during a shift. If you haven't hit your numbers you're hesitant to discuss why and what's going on. I, I think that's a function of culture in, in the operation. Right. If people are rewarded for sharing information for better or worse, um, that will go away pretty quickly. Okay. If if they're punished for sharing information or for getting things wrong, yeah. it, it, it's, you know. And so that's the, to the detriment of all. That's to the detriment of all. And, and when you introduce new technology, um, the, 
that culture gets exposed. Right. Bryce, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for listening to All Axes with our guest Bryce Barnes as part of the Mazak TV network. Be sure to subscribe to All Axes on your favorite podcast app for all future episodes. 